Hey, welcome to The Weekly, a Calvary Bible Church podcast where we connect what happened on the weekend to your real life lived Monday through Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas Milburn, with my good friend, Jay Ewing. Jay, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, hey. What's up, man? Uh, not a lot. Yeah? It's a Tuesday and it's been raining, like, a lot. It has been raining a lot. I, I don't know about you, but it's like cloudy for more than 48 hours. Just lose hope. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, we live in this amazing state where the sun is always shining in the state. Yeah. It feels like that, right? It, the it feels like that. Yeah. The sun's at, at least out a little bit every day. But get this. What? Now that you brought up the rain, it reminds me. So we do this family meal planning. Yeah. And we, you know, select, you know, stuff to buy and prepare or whatever, like weeks in advance. Right. We're those people. Yeah. Uh, and we had planned for soup this weekend mm-hmm. and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, it's like 80 degrees. I don't right. like eating hot soup. <laughs> I don't either. I really can't stand it. But it was raining and I'm eating like this amazing creamy tortellini soup Ooh, with, wow. with carrots and peas. You know, it's the first of the month, right? So that means the Ewing family is at Costco. <laughs> it's the first rotation of the budget. You know, let's yeah. go get the Costco grabs. I saw so many calorie people at Costco over on Saturday. Just so many. When you go to Costco, how many bags of Doritos do you buy? None, but I did buy a case of Pringles. Like they sell Pringles? Individual stacks of Pringles, you know, for lunches and things okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. We have a great guest with us and yeah. I want to bring him in on this really important conversation. Cuz he has a lot of kids. He has a lot of kids too. <laughs> he has, uh, a he lot has of mouths. four children, which is just crazy. Yeah. But the one and only Gary Osborne. Gary Welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks guys for having me. This is going to be an adventure to say the least. It's going to be great. This is going to be the best day of your life. Yeah. Um, here's a question I want to ask you guys. What is like the one essential that you have to grab at Costco every time you're there? Oh, for my family, it's the uh, Philly cheesesteaks. Ooh. So they're like the great little like 90 seconds in the microwave and you yes. get a great Philly cheesesteak. Easy like, what are we going to do for a meal? We're right. out running around. You just drop those in the microwave and they're they're pretty good. See, that 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 means a lot coming from you because I know you have a really complex palate. <laughs> <and> <laughs> if you don't know Gary, the band has one lane. It's called American Food. <laughs> that is his lane. It's his lane. Oh, man. That's fair. I feel like I've tried to grow up a little bit in the last few years, but I'm, it's still going to take me another 30 to get there. <laughs> For sure. Hey, if, I've actually never had a Philly cheesecake. Cheese steak, not yeah, cake. Yeah, <laughs> me either. Steak. Me either. We do the raviolis. That's our go-to at Costco. The bag of, like, you know, just boil up some raviolis. They're yummy. Mm. Super good. Hey, so if you're new to the weekly, this is a food podcast, <laughs> really. No, This is food for thought. We usually start with a conversation about food. To make you hungry for thought. There you go. There you go. Like hey, that. if you're new to the weekly, thanks for tuning in. Thomas, give us a rundown. What? Why did we create the weekly? What's this podcast all about? All right. So one of the things that we noticed during the COVID season was how great it was when home groups would hear the message and have the conversation about what they had just heard together. Just deepened the thoughts, deepened people's prayer life, deepened people's engagement in God's word and what the spirit was doing. And we thought, you know, even though we've come back together, how could we continue some of those aspects? And so we thought, you know, we can't do the home group aspect for everyone all the time, but maybe we could invite them into a conversation in the middle of the week where we continue to talk about the things that we preached on, that we discussed, that we worshiped about on the weekend. 
Yeah. So we've invited people after hearing the message. If you have questions, um, you, you want more insight on a topic, you would just send an email. And the yeah. email address is theweekly at calvarybible.com. So you'd email theweekly at calvarybible.com with a question, a follow-up, whatever. And then we would bring those top questions to the podcast and dialogue about them as though we were in your living room. That's a good good summary. I, You know, one of the things, reason I started the podcast and wanted to start it was I, I'm so lucky because on Monday I get to hear you guys talk about all the things you left behind on the sermon that you couldn't say in a 30-minute window, a 35-minute window. And it's like always so much fun to come in on Mondays not only to encourage you because you all do a fantastic job week in and week out, but also to hear the further thoughts you had and, or even going into a week, sort of the things that you're studying that God's sort of bringing up in your heart is really fun. And I wanted people to hear that uh, more than anything else. Yeah. We call those the clippings. Those are the clippings. It's it's hard because you have all these like great clippings that you've grabbed from your study. Yeah. That maybe people are less interested in, but we burden them with you or burden you with them. Yeah. So you get them. Hey man, I love it. I love it. It's just really fun. It's a great conversation. Hey, let's jump into what's happening at Calvary real quick. Announcement time. This week we have child dedication happening on all three campuses. So if you listen to this podcast on Wednesday, you still have time to sign up, but do it quickly. Also, there's a value here for us that Gary Osborne shared with me. What's the value of child dedication at Calvary? You know, one of the important things I think of as a church, it's our responsibility to help disciple these young little ones that are part of our community. It's not solely on the parents, it's on the community to raise them up. And so what our pastors will typically do is they set up our child dedications and they're also asking the congregation if they will be willing to love on these kids and point them to Jesus throughout their development here at Calvary. And so I just think that's a really important thing that we're all disciple makers at Calvary Bible Church with the little ones in the room. Yeah. It's really hard to compete with all those cute photos that come up on the screen, but that's my other favorite thing about that is the congregation, our response, our responsibility to those parents as we declare and pray for them and bless them. It's just a wonderful Sunday. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that we're doing life together, and even with these little kids, like as a church, we want to see these kids follow Jesus all the days of their lives. And so that's what we're committing to as well on Sunday morning. And so I'm just, I just love the experience at the church and just the reminder that as we look at all of the people at Calvary from birth to, to grave, that we're trying to help them follow Jesus a little bit more every day. That's great. That's a great segue into actually what's happening this summer in middle school ministry as well. They're going to Maranatha, and that's a great place for your middle school student to get discipled, get to know Jesus, find community, have a great, fun safe time, but also really to discover Jesus and get connected. Maranatha is fantastic. Uh, I got to go out there a few summers when I was still doing student ministries, and that place is is just the best place. I'm so excited to send my son this summer Yeah, as he is like the ultimate summer camper for a middle schooler. So it should be great. Not only is it a great time, but they're going to push them to what it means to follow Jesus and walk in his ways. That's great. So sign up, go to calvarybible.com slash events. Also, Calvary Wilderness is happening this summer. There's backpacking trips. I know that the high school backpacking trips are sold out, but there's six other trips. There's a middle school and parent trip. There are two women's trip and two men's trips out to the backcountry of Colorado. 
basically it's a short trip on those trips, three days. Uh, you don't need any equipment. We have it all for you to get out into the wilderness, hike around in the backcountry, experience community, experience Christ, um, get pushed in your faith as well, and get connected with God in your faith. So go to calvarybible.com slash events to sign up for all those great events that are happening at Calvary. It's a lot going on, man. Yeah, man. It's a full summer. Here it goes. All right, let's do this. Let's do it. Okay, so this weekend, we continued our series through First Thessalonians. We looked at chapter 2, verse 13, picking up where we left off last week. And Gary was preaching out in Thornton. I got to preach online and in Erie, and then Pastor Tom Shirk was in the on the Boulder campus. Um, first, I just kind of want to know, Gary, how, how's the Thornton campus going? Zach Thompson is out there as the campus pastor. So cool. But give us an update on Thornton. You know, it's so fun to think about uh, where we were a year ago and all that God has done and the team that he's put in place. Like, I, that team is fantastic. With Zach leading them, and then there's Justin, who's just really growing as a worship leader and grabbing the hearts of the people and drawing them into the presence of the Lord. And Matthew's doing a great job helping people get in community. And Denise is doing fantastic things with students. And Dakota's loving on our kids. And so there's a great team out in Thornton to guide and shepherd that congregation. And then it's so fun when you walk in the room, I feel like every time I come there, more and more people are starting to call that place home. And it's fun to notice that, like, it's at that place where you still kind of know everyone. And so when someone's missing, you get to, like, remember, oh, where is this family? And that family, and I'd ask about these families. And the team there is so in tune with what's going on. is like they know where everyone is and why they weren't there. And so it's just so fun to think, man, this is a real community that's functioning like a family and really helping people walk in the ways of the Lord. Yeah, if you reside on the other two campuses at Calvary, you can go always go to calvarybible.com slash staff. You hit, there's a button for the Thornton-specific campus to see those faces of those names. You know, one of the things I would recommend is hit print, print them out, and weekly pray for that staff at Thornton as you pray for the other staffs on the Erie and Boulder campus. It's a great way to get to know them, get to know their face, but also to really partner in the gospel at Calvary, even though you might not be on that campus. Yeah, prayer is so important, and we are so thankful for the prayers of the saints as they pray for our staff. And, you know, we just kind of grew a little bit, and yeah. now we have a Thornton staff. And so to pray for them, critical as we continue to reach people in the different communities we're a part of. Yeah. All right, so you were preaching on this text. What was one of the big takeaways that you put into, like, a real hard application, like trying to get people to take away uh, from First Thessalonians 2.13? Yeah, so I think we were charged a little bit more to preach First Thessalonians two thirteen for twenty. I'm just not that great of a preacher. I only could do one verse. That's all I got time for. So I only could get one one verse. You know, is this whole idea? Hey, they they received the word, they um, accepted the word, and they believed the word, right? And so we just kind of how does this apply to our lives? And I was thinking about this for people, and it's so hard. And I just know in my own personal life that. And it's hard to get into the Word of God on a regular basis. And so I kind of ask people to hold up their hands. And, you know, you could write on them if you're a middle school girl. I know not everyone wants to write on their hands. But, you know, if you have middle school girls, they have writing all over their body all the time. It's just confusing. But that's just what they do. And I just said, okay, on your hand, you have, you know, you have your thumb and your four fingers. Let's just think, talk about five ways that you could really be in the Word of God. And so we had the first one on your thumb was that you just read it. 
And right now as a church, we're studying First Thessalonians. We could start there. That'd be an easy place to read the Word of God. And then I'd say, hey, let's ponder or meditate on the Word of God. That means just to think deeply about the things of God. And so maybe you would even think deeply about this verse that we talked about this week of like, what does it really mean to uh, receive and accept and believe? So that, that was kind of the second thing. And then I said, memorize the Word of God, that we want to hide God's Word in our heart so that we go out our normal day and things come up. We can recall the truths of Scripture that would help guide and direct us in our ways. And then I said, um, we want to study it. Like it's, I think it's really important to learn how to study God's Word beyond just reading it, but really look at what are the truths here. And so I kind of cheated and said, since I didn't preach on you know, 14 through 20 and yeah. First Thessalonians 2. I said, that would be a great place to study this nice. week so you can get ready for Zach next week as he's going to you know, open up that statement with therefore. And you got to know what that therefore chapter is there three. for. Yeah. yeah, in chapter 3. So, And then the fifth one was, hey, we don't want to just get a bunch of information, learn a bunch of facts. We want to live it out. And so we want to apply God's word to our lives. And so we, want, we don't want to be you know, Christians who don't exercise our faith. We want to put it into practice, and so we want to say, okay, what's this truth that God's teaching me, and how do I live it out in my life? So, Absolutely. That's really good. All right, so around that conversation, from you guys, what are the, the ways in which you just read it or even listen to the scriptures? How do you access that, that principle, that practice? So right now, this year, I've decided to um, read through the Bible in a year again and just really want to just kind of see what's the whole story all about. And it's been going really well for me until this week when I really had to preach on you need to, like, I just yeah. felt, I felt that extra and I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm in the word of God. I'm studying it right to, to teach it. But I missed a few days in my, my normal just reading plan. Right. And like, I was like, wow, this is the real life as you're talking about, what's the weekly really yeah. about? Yeah. And if, I know I'm like on staff at a church and like, sometimes it's hard. You, you, you believe the lies. I'm too busy. I'm doing other things. I already know what it says. Right. Like, I've read this before. Do I really? And you fight those lies. Or you're like, I just need a little more sleep. Whatever it is, it's easy. I think the enemy doesn't want you in the Word. Oh, that's very true. You know, that, that statement goes, right, is that the Bible, this book, um, will keep you from sin, but sin will also keep you from this book. There's, there's some real truth to that. And like, I just felt it this week as I knew I was going to stand up in front of the people and be like, Hey, the word of God is really important in your life. (laughs) All right. Let's talk talk to the person that's like brand new to the Bible, maybe attended on Sunday was like, okay, I'm convinced I want to jump into this, but I just, I need like some parameters. Like what is this thing? What resources would you recommend as someone begins to start accessing the Bible for the first time? Yeah, I would. If you're a new believer or just really interested in maybe Bible reading, is ask those around you how they do it. I think I've learned a lot from those Christians that have gone before me who have read it longer than I have. So, like, be the student. You know what I mean? Say, hey, I don't know how to read this. Can you help me? Well, how do you read it? It's a really good question because you learn that a lot of people read it many different ways or how they do it. you know, we talked about this earlier. I know that you're doing this on the Uversion app. It's a super easy app for your phone. The Uversion is a super sweet, this sweet app for Bible reading. And so if you're new to the Bible, that's a great app to have. You don't have to buy a Bible. It's free. There's a million resources there. It connects the dots. You can make a reading plan. Whatever you need to do in order to read it. 
Yeah, and here's how, here's where I would tell someone to start. I think they should go to Revelation and just start right there, you know, <laughs> get in it, and just kind of pound through it. I mean, there's no other place. No, that's, it's the only place to start. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a, that's probably what discourages people. Or, yeah. Hey, I'm going to turn right to the Book of Numbers or Leviticus, and those are great books. But if you don't understand what is happening in the story, right? They're really hard uh, parts of the scripture to really get into. There's a resource that I love, and I used to take students through it all the time. It's called Understanding the Bible in 30 Days by Max Anders. And I think that's a great resource to help you understand the entire story of God. And so it's really just like, here's, I think it starts out with about nine episodes in the Old Testament. And it gives you kind of four points in each episode. And so you learn 36 big ideas in the New Testament. And then it goes to the New Testament, basically does the same thing and gives you some theology in the last few weeks. But I think it's a really good resource just to say, okay, how do I even understand this Bible and how is it put together? And what are the major episodes that will help me navigate the Word of God? We'll link that in the show notes for sure. Thomas, you know, we talk about this sometimes here too. It's the Gospel of John. Start somewhere that is super fun, easy, easy to understand type book of the Bible. So if you're new to Christianity, you're new to reading your Bible, go go halfway to the back of your book to the Gospel of John, and that's a great book to start with in your faith. What would you recommend, Thomas? I guess it depends on where you're coming from. Um, when I think of you know getting the parameters of the Bible, like what is this story, getting some context. When we say books are easier than others, what we mean by that is um, accessible. Like you you can kind of pick up the story um, quicker. Like you don't need as much you know historical context right away. I remember when I started reading the Bible and someone gave me, it may have been Gary, I don't know. Someone gave me a copy of Henrietta Mears, uh, What the Bible is All About. And it was like the first time I had an additional book that helped explain some confusing verses. Right. And then it kind of whet my appetite to, okay, now I got more questions, which is fun because Christianity is a faith that, that wants you to ask questions, mm-hmm. not to stop asking, but to start asking, continue asking questions. So then from there, it's like get a good study Bible. And then from the study Bible, like starting to build a library of sorts. So it kind of depends on, I guess, who would be listening is where, you're, if you're starting from the very beginning, I think grabbing Max Anders, you know, what the, you know how to understand the Bible in just in one month. Um, getting that start to finish the, the story arc of the Bible and then grabbing, maybe it's Henry Mears, maybe it's a study Bible and then starting to build a library and then getting around community. I think that's our piece is you want to study this thing. You want to read this with community. Yeah. We design every group that's, that meets together as biblical communities on mission. And we believe that you have to center yourself around the Bible, but also the community helps explain some of those confusing things that we all have when we read the Bible. All right, so maybe just open question for you guys. When we think about memorizing it or that meditation piece on it, mm-hmm. how does that come into your life? I mean, we're, we're busy, full schedules. That seems like something that you would only do if you were like really bored, yeah. you know, or you like really set some time up and got early in the morning. But it's important. So how does that find itself in your life? So let me talk about sort of this word meditation. And the, the word that it's in Greek is like, how a cow chews the cud of the grass. It's like the long, slow chewing to grind down um, the food. And that's sort of how I see meditation. You have to have space and time for to do it well. And that means making time to be silent, to sit silently, 
to not have distractions, not have the phone ding, not the emails go off, you know, not people running around in the background, things like that, vacuums going. So meditating is is very disintentional for me to make time to not have distractions so that I can read God's word and sit with it. And, you know, that's a priority thing. You you want you have to desire that in order to make it a priority. That's how I feel about everything, you know, like I make a priority to watch baseball at night. I make a priority to be at my kids' games. I make a priority to, um, you know, show up for dinner with the family. All those type of things are priorities. And this is just one that in order to meditate on God's word, you have to make a priority to be non-distracted. And that's probably the biggest issue with doing that method of Bible reading and thinking is time. What about the other one, memorization? I think memorization is something that for me is a lot uh, more helpful when I'm almost doing it with someone else. Yeah, It's really hard to say, I think I'm going to memorize da-da-da-da-da. But when you're in community in a group and like you're all doing it together, being a part of this men's group that I was in the last few years, and every week you had to come with your verse memorized or you were kind of shamed for it. That's um, the way we like to do Christianity. <laughs> you know? You're going to get shamed for not being prepared. Okay, that's, that's not guilt. the best example. Yeah, that's great. Just guilt-based guilt guilt ministry. ministry. That's yeah. the book we were going to write, right? Yeah. Guilt-based ministry, something like that. Instead of purpose-driven ministry, guilt-driven ministry. No, I just think it's a help to have accountability and encouragement as you memorize God's word. And there's also times where you're like, these are the things that I'm really feeling in my heart and I need to hide it in my heart. So there might be anxiety that you're dealing with. And so just to find those verses in God's word that really help you understand what you do with your anxiety, your worry, your stress. Or maybe there's times where you just are really sorrowful and to go to God's word and say, okay, what does it have to say about that or comfort? And what does it mean? I think there's a place for that in your life. And then this summer, as we get ready to teach God's word, we're going to, we're going to look at some key passages of scripture throughout the summer. Those are passages of scripture for the most part that I would encourage people to memorize because you just go back to them over and over and over again. Yeah, that's really true. And if you want to find like topics to how topics of scriptures, I think version has that laid out really wonderful. You can pick a, a Bible reading plan to memorize those things based on like grief, suffering, prayer, all those discouragement. I, you know what? Actually, one of the wisest individuals I know gave me a method uh, a few years ago that was super transformational in Bible memorization. Kathy Taylor uh, pointed me to a system called the Scripture Memory System. It's by Charlotte Mason. I'll link it in the notes. And basically, you have a box that you rotate um, reading the scriptures every day, every week, every month, every year. And that has been revolutionary for me in memorizing scripture. Because I, for me, me, I can't go to something and have to say, okay, what am I going to do next? I need to just go to it, pick it up, and there it is. And it's the Charlotte Mason memorization method. Tons of YouTube videos about it, how to set it up. But that's been revolutionary for my family. We do it at breakfast time when we're really good on it. Some months we're not really good on it. So, you know, not super Christians here, but um, it's just one of the best ways to memorize because you don't have to memorize it just right then. It's like a slow drip over time. You don't pay your kids to memorize scripture? <laughs> no, I do not. Oh, uh-huh. I better change my methods. 
<laughs> but maybe I should because yeah. I think memorization of scripture, like it's the one thing that's eternal, right? Right. And so we get to take it with us when we enter into eternity is the memorized word of God in our hearts. That's so. pretty amazing to think about. It's not much you can take into eternity, right? All right. On that thought, let's let's think about this because we said here's five things to do. You know, read it, to memorize it, meditate on it, apply it. What was the, what was the fifth one I missed? Study it. Yeah. Right. And I think for the average person who doesn't really understand what the Bible is, we just had a conversation of like why someone should do those things to like a Harry Potter series or something. Like what makes the Bible so distinct? And we talked about that on Sunday, um, that this is the word of God that's at work in you. That there's, it's not just, you know, written words. It's a living and active organism that we're ingesting into our body, that we're putting into our mind, that actually produces something in us, right? So it's this... right. It's profitable for us. Like the time we would spend reading it, memorizing it, meditating on it, studying it, applying it is to our benefit. Like our life flourishes by doing these practices, right? Right. We've been talking about the function of Bible reading. Yeah. But tell me now, I'm going to give you a softball question. Is this what an eight, eight foot arc? Old man softball? <laughs> oh, totally. Or are we doing like, like Gary's daughter's like 90 mile an hour? No, no, way. Down the no one can handle that. Let's be honest. Seriously, he's got some but really good ball players. That's about like God's, how can we know that God's word is reliable? Yeah. That it actually is what it is. So we, we mentioned that on Sunday. Yeah, you prefaced go to the weekly, so we better talk about it. All these people have just suffered through the conversation up until this point. Bible reading. Yeah, so one of the things I mentioned online and out in Erie was, okay, so here are the, the, the people in the city of Thessalonica and what Paul gives them praise for and thanks to God, because this is a work of God, is that they heard it, like you said, Gary, accepted it and believed it. They got to a place where they, they heard it, they welcomed it, and then they trusted it or obeyed it because they came to know it as it truly is, not the words of man, but the words of God. Now, how do you, how do you trust the Bible to be the word of God? as opposed to just a, an invention of human authors. Now, here's the short, the skinny of the answer, which is like probably super disappointing for someone tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the skinny of it is, it's kind of disappointing when you are looking for the reliability, the, the source um, validation to the Bible in the ways that you do it with other things. Because the Bible is, as we would say, self-authenticating. And that's kind of disappointing because normally how we would credit sources for their trustworthiness is by looking at more authoritative sources to authenticate them. So show me a more authoritative source that would authenticate this thing that I'm reading. Well, the problem with that is if you find a more authoritative source to authenticate the Bible, the Bible loses the essence of it being the ultimate authority, right? So then you have to look at the Bible as you would look at something maybe in a court of law, is how would you come to the conclusions that based on its interior of its structure, what's there, what's how it's built, um, who wrote it, would indicate to you that it's the Word of God and not just the invention of human authors. So you compare it to other things that we would say we know are human authorship, and then where does the Bible stand in you know, comparison to that? Now, there's a lot of apologetics on this. One of the most helpful phrases for me recently has actually been by, 
a Bible teacher, Dr. Bauckham, Vody Bauckham, who just simply says, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, which report supernatural events in fulfillment of specific prophecies, claiming that they are words of divine origin rather than human origin. Now, that's a lot in there. And the reason it's a lot in there is because each word is building on the credibility of the scriptures. So first and foremost, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents. So it's not written by one singular author. It's not like one person had one vision privately that no one else gets to attest to, that the Bible is a collection of historical documents that are written by many different authors over a long period of time in multiple languages. And these authors are doctors and accountants, historians, lawyers, musicians, leaders. I mean, very diverse, young, old, highly educated, less educated. And what's remarkable is they're all telling the same story. And within their writings of different genres, they're making prophetic claims of future events that can't be fulfilled with human power. And then the Bible comes back and it's actually fulfilled. And so it's authenticating these prophetic words that are giving you clues that this is a divine book. And it's written by these eyewitnesses. So you look at the New Testament, that the New Testament itself is written by eyewitnesses um, during the lifetime of, of other eyewitnesses. So people can keep them in check. Right. They can say, no, that's not exactly what happened. They can correct these things. But what you see is actually those who even followed Jesus or didn't follow Jesus authenticated the stories. Now, they might differ on how it happened, but they're giving credibility to the fact that they are happening. Another piece that gives it is just the historical reliability piece of how much of the Bible we have in proximity to its original authorship. So we'll take the New Testament, for example. That In the New Testament, you have all of these documents, these letters that are happening within a decade right, of the original audience. And you compare that to other human authorship books, and it doesn't even compare worth. You think of Homer's Iliad, the closest thing we have to the original authorship is within 2,000 years. So 2,000 years after he wrote this is our earliest document connecting it. And, and then you look at other things um, where it's just the, the, the dissidence is so great. Um, and what you have with the Bible is the earliest authors really, really connected to it. And then just the number, the volume of manuscripts that we have. So we have within a few decades... We also have 6,000 manuscripts or portions of manuscripts of the Bible in the New Testament. And you compare that, we'll go with you know, Homer's Iliad, that there's a few hundred of these. There might be up to 600 of these manuscripts that are still 2,000 years separated, but there are, there's only a couple hundred of them. And the point that these apologetics are making is, hey, look at the historical reliability. If you can't trust the Bible, you can't trust any document of antiquity. It's just crazy. Right. Just take, for example, like Plato, which we read in high school. You know, we have to read um, in English literature and, or in ethics or philosophy. The, the number of manuscripts for Plato's works are seven. And the time span between Plato and when they were like written, the, the manuscripts were written is 1,200 years. That's so long. Like, and we think those are reliable, right? You would read those and say, oh, this is true. Yeah, and you think about all the different manuscripts over time that have been translated even to other languages, right. multiple languages, that when, when you gather them up, you don't find 
variants, really, that change the message. What you find is that there's continual authenticating evidence that through the transcription of all of these and the translation of all of these, it still says the exact same thing in essence, right. which is just remarkable. Right. And then you can look at, you know, you can, another one is you can look at the archaeology. We're talking about the historical piece. Archaeology supports biblical records. Did you know there's been more than 20,000 archaeological digs looking for biblical evidence that have found biblical evidence? And nothing has been found that discredits biblical story. Now you see this like sometimes show up and like, we found a new gospel or they said this and no one ever does a follow-up story because some real historians show up and they're like, yeah, that's not true. And then you don't hear it reported anymore. But what you do find is that these biblical events, these civilizations, these individuals are authenticating the stories that we have written, which is just, just remarkable. So archeology span supports it. And then, we talked about the original, you know, writings. Um, not we actually don't have original writings, and that's because of the material that it was written on. So that material doesn't last. But you have the closest to that, which is the writings within a decade of of that of the original audience. And then, um, just I mean, maybe just like in conclusion, just to remind yourself that the supernatural events that are recorded in the Bible are authenticating, oftentimes a previously prophesied or projected event as opposed to just something that happens in a vacuum. Like, and then the rocks lifted in the air. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Right. But someone said, there'll be coming a time when a virgin will conceive and give birth. There's, the Savior will be crucified before crucifixion is even known as an execution practice. Right. So those are the sorts of things that are like, okay, these are supernatural events that had been predicted that are authenticated in later writings. Yeah. So you put it all together and you say, okay, the complexities and levels of this book really lend itself to say, gosh, this is so much more than human authorship. And what I have here is a reliable translation in English to trust that. Yeah. So you should read it. You should read it. Take and read. Take so, and read. And I would just encourage you, if you, I mean, there's so many more arguments um, for the reliability of the scriptures and that the scriptures are the word of God. The whole point is this. Just, just meditate on this one thought. If that's truly God's word, like truly, there's a divine being of the cosmos who loves you and created you and has provided salvation for you and has made himself known in this written collection of a library. Man, why would you want to miss out on that? So good. That's why I'm glad I came today just to hear Thomas. Yeah, totally. Speak that. I also think about what we even finished our messages with, with the, the statement of faith that we all believe, right? And it concludes with, uh, therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that required, requires, and trusted in all that it promises. That's just such a strong statement for us to think about when we think about the Word of God. That is to be believed in all it teaches, obeyed in all that requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Oh, Calvary, so good to be with you. Thanks for listening in. <clears throat> Excuse me there. If you want to write in to us, the weekly at calvarybible.com, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. You got questions about the Bible? Send them in to Calvary, well, the weekly at calvarybible.com. Also, give us a solid by giving us a five star review on your podcasting subscription network. Nothing but a five star, right, Thomas? Only five stars accepted. I would be happy if this episode got three because I'm on it. I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Gary, it was so good that you're in the booth today, man. I'm it was fun so, being here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. The problem with you preaching on Thornton's, I don't hear you in Erie. You know? I can't be at two places at once. 
Hey, Calvary, we love you. We are Calvary Bible Church. We love our Bible. We, we declare what the Psalm 119 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We hope and pray that you enjoy reading your Bible. Pray that you grow in reading your Bible, in your knowledge, your understanding, and how you apply it to your life. And we're here for you. So reach out to us if you ever have questions about your Bible, the weekly at calvarybible.com. Let's get out of here, boys. How about that? See you, Jay. Have a good afternoon. Bye, Gary. Bye, Gary. Bye, Thomas.